This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Golden Edge, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. What is up, everyone? Thank you guys for tuning in once again. The Golden Edge podcast here with the Review Journal coverage team for the Golden Knights. Hockey is almost back. We've talked a lot about the offseason. There's been, you know, comings and goings and different things happening, but hockey is almost here again. So we'll jump into what is going to be going on in the next couple weeks as the Golden Knights get prepared for the season, starting uh, with the rookies coming to town. And then moving on in training camp and everything else that's going to go on this season. But thank you guys for listening to the Golden Edge podcast presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. And make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share everything you do wherever you find your podcast. Let everyone know about how awesome you think we are. Or oh, terrible. We can take constructive criticism. I can't. You can. Yeah, I can't either. Yeah, I'm so, thin-skinned. Yeah, make sure you say really, really bad things about Ben, but good things about I me. I can take it. Adam Hill and Dave Shane, Ben Goats. That's the goofball over there that uh, you can say terrible, terrible things about for sure. But listen, guys, it's been a long off season. We've been with you guys. We've been talking about the Golden Knights, but there's almost hockey here. There kind of is. Like the players, some of them are back because school started about two weeks ago. So the guys that have kids are actually kind of working out at City National. I was there the other day, saw a couple of Knights players and some former Knights players. Yeah, that was weird. Enough. Yeah, multiple uh, former Golden Knights players still working out with the team. So uh, whether they've sold their houses or not here yet, I don't know. But that was kind of interesting to see. But the hockey vibes are starting to flow. I think it's only about like eight or nine guys are back at this point ready to hit the ice for training camp. But in the next couple of weeks, the rest of the team's going to trickle in and we'll have a hockey season start. I guess we don't have to call guys out individually, but was there guys that you think are, are just like, you know, I just maybe there's still a chance I could come back here. Like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, there's. Specific uh, ex night I talked to yesterday was pretty, uh, seemed pretty excited about uh, his next chapter, okay. we'll call it. Uh, but I assume, you know, maybe they haven't sold the house yet. Like I said, uh, maybe they're just not ready to go to uh, their next destination, but you, it happens. You didn't see Oscar Lindbergh. Right? Did not see Oscar Lindbergh, no, who's heading no. back okay. to Europe. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, because I know he's heading back to Switzerland. So it was a little uh, off the radar there. Maybe he's a. Uh, Hanging out with William Carlson in Sweden. I don't know. Maybe there's some crossover there out yeah. in Europe. I think it's easy to get around there. Well, but. we'll see who the actual, you know, when the actual team starts to gather around and everybody uh, is back in. But I guess, is there a different vibe now that we're closer to, you know, training camp and everything else is starting? We talk so much about the offseason, but now that it's getting closer, are we are we feeling any different about how the offseason went for the Golden Knights? I mean, I'm not. I, I would still, you know graded a C minus or something like that. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, what's necessarily changed. I mean, all that being said, I still think they're, you know, probably the favorite in the Pacific division and 
you know, maybe if not the favorite, you know, co-favorite in, in the conference. So, I, I mean, I don't think, you know, I think you can kind of have the two. I, I, I always mess this up, the mutually exclu- exclusive. Yeah, those phrase, two but, ideas can coexist. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're probably in the same place of it was an uninspiring offseason. There was not a lot to get excited about besides the fact that you got William Carlson on a pretty team-friendly deal. But that doesn't, uh, you know, prevent you from thinking about their top six and saying there's not a lot of other teams that can match their top six forwards right now. Like Dave said, in the division and just in the conference uh, at large, I was actually talking to uh, Mike Rupp, who's an NBCSN analyst, and he was saying he would put the Golden Knights right up there in the Western Conference. And, you know, I would agree with him with to despite the fact that not a very exciting offseason. Well, certainly they have, you know, bad feelings about the way last season ended and will want to start to atone for that and kind of lay out the rest of the schedule here and some of the dates coming up. Rookie camp starts September 5th. They're, they're going to be down in Anaheim playing uh, in that showcase tournament. September 12th for full training camp. And then September 15th, the first preseason game as we count down to the beginning of October and two games against the Sharks to start things off. And uh, so it's going to be coming up very quickly here, uh, fast and furious as we get set uh, to get toward the start of the season. But we'll start with the rookie camp that's coming up. September 5th, they're going to be over City National getting those that started. Last year, they were here. A bunch of teams came in from the division. Uh, you had a tournament going on at City National. It was crazy. It was just a ruckus atmosphere every night. And plus one of those top rookies got traded yeah, after a game. That's true. So we don't know if we're going to see anything like that again. Uh, but what are we? What are the main things we're looking for here with this rookie camp and the rookie showcase that are coming up? Uh, that will be down in Anaheim or in the Orange County, I guess you should say. Yeah, technically show. it's Irvine. Yeah, uh, yeah. my uh, former hometown. Oh, go boy. Irvine! Yeah, I'm coming for you. Yeah, you know, I might stop by the old stomping grounds a little bit, <laughs> but uh, um, I think the main thing everybody is going to be watching from the rookie camp are, are, are kind of the name guys, you know, the Cody Glass. The Nick Hague, uh, if he's signed, Jimmy Schultz, uh, Zach Whiteclaw, kind of the guys that you expect are going to then get an invite to the main camp and, you know, compete for a job. Th- those are the guys you want to see kind of jump out, uh, really stand out in that rookie tournament. You know, last year we looked back, that was kind of the coming out party for uh, Eric Brandstrom, where everybody kind of was like, you know, whoa, he, he was clearly, you know, if not the best player in that entire tournament, one of. Um, so you're kind of looking for somebody like that, you know, somebody that's going to really jump out, uh, and then, and then maybe carry it over, you know, the next week and in, into that main camp. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how some of these guys have developed over the past year. I mean, you've got Cody glass who moved up a level at the end of last season, got to the AHL, helped the Chicago wolves reach the Calder cup final played really well in the playoffs while also being on both special teams, you know, taking key draws, all that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how he translates that over to the you know camp level this time. Then obviously all those blue line guys are guys that could compete for a spot on the opening night roster. So it'll be really interesting to see. Obviously, I would think Nick Hag is kind of the guy to watch. I mean, he's 20. He's improved defensively, it seemed, a lot last season in the AHL. He's still got a lot of offensive potential. And uh, you know, Dave, you and I were talking about this the other day. He's just got a different body type than anything they've got on the blue line right yeah, now. Yeah, he's being 6'6 with his kind of, I guess, edge to him. You know, he's got a little bit of a nasty streak. He'll play 6'6. He's got that reach. 
you know, we've all, whenever we've talked about him and when we talked to him in the summer for, for the podcast, you know, we talked about his skating and, and that's always going to be the big question mark with him. And if that gets to NHL level, look out because you don't find too many six, six packages like that around the NHL, you know, Colton Pareko, um, you know, Petrangelo. I would say it's really intriguing just because of who's the Stanley Cup champions, right, the right. Blues, and how they've just got a mess of arms and legs on their blue line with 6'6 six, six Pareko, 6'3 six, Petrangelo. They got 6'4 Bowmeister and Edmondson. And so that's obviously an interesting prototype for Hag to follow. Sure. And if you, you know, if you're going to buy into stuff like, you know, NHL Network top 20 lists and there wasn't a Knights defenseman on there, you know, a guy like Nick Hague, you know, in a couple years, is the type of guy who can show up on that list. You know, he's the type of guy that, you know, can can contribute on a power play, uh, put up points, be a defensive factor, you know, be a big, strong body in front of the net and all those sorts of things. He's got, you know, an upside that's different than all the other guys. You know, all that being said, I don't think it's fair to discount some of these other guys coming into camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously Jimmy Schultz, obviously like White Cloud, uh, even Bischoff you know, your gopher. Um, and then the other one really too, and and I'm as guilty of this as probably anybody is Dylan Coughlin. You know, he was somebody that put up 40 points in the AHL, scored 15 goals in the AHL. I mean, that those are real numbers. Oh yeah. You know, so even though he was undrafted, you know, whatever, I mean, he has to be considered in the mix. Plus he's right-handed. And we talked about all that, you know, sort of stuff with They're Derek England about, you know, right-handed. And if they need guys on the right side, you know, maybe that's just where it fits, and and maybe he is the first guy who gets a look. I don't know, but there, I go back to George McPhee's comment about we have a lot of different flavors, and and depending on what they're looking for, they have a lot of different defensemen, you know, that can kind of fill in a lot of different roles. Yeah, Hag's like the young, high upside guy. Then Schultz, the opposite, where he's 24, just coming out of a decorated college career. Um, he's pretty good at just about everything, but he's probably not elite at any one thing uh white clouds coming up a pretty good ahl season had 40 some points and then yeah as dave said i think Coglin's kind of the forgotten guy here where i mean it's almost like you know kind of in baseball where you have a guy who's hitting you know 330 at AAA. at some point you have to see whether he can hit uh 330 in the majors and so you got to see i think at some point whether Coglin's scoring is going to translate well and and i would say the closest thing like for like in terms of a player is Colin Miller to him and, and you know for a comparison. So if you're looking for somebody that, you know, maybe has to fill in on the second power play unit, you know, if you start breaking down the roster and 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 looking at things you would expect Shea Theodore to be with that first unit, but who's the second guy, you know, who's going to run that second unit? Nate Schmidt? He's not necessarily an offensive minded guy. Maybe Dylan Coglin is somebody that can do that. He's got a big shot. That's where we saw Colin Miller, you know, kind of doing his thing when he was most effective, it was, you know, booming shot from the point he was getting it on net. That seems to be Coglin's MO a little bit. So if that's kind of the, I guess, quote unquote, flavor they're looking for, yeah. But you know, I'll transition transition a little bit up front. Obviously, Cody Glasses is going to be the most interesting one. You know, this is about the time when guys who were drafted in 2017 start to show up maybe in the NHL. This is about when you know you really can compete for a roster spot legitimately. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. There's a lot to digest there. We'll, we'll, I'm going to start back 
and circle back a little bit to Nick Haig, just because you guys both brought up a point, and I just want to get into it for people that are listening. You talked about the skating. We've seen the development of his skating. It certainly has gotten a lot better. He looks like a different player out there than when we first saw him, where I think uh, what it was a Galante referred to him as basically Bam behind ice yeah, out Mike, there. Mike Kelly. Uh, Mike actually, Kelly did. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, and and but he's he's gotten a lot better. But there is that next step to take that you guys talked about. How difficult is it to take that next step as a guy with that kind of a, a body type? And Ben, we look at you because you I mean, you're not a, on that level. But you're a, a tall guy who was playing hockey growing up. Very uncoordinated tall guy playing hockey. It was like, a bad mix. How difficult is that to take that next? Because he's taken such strides. And then now it's like that next step to take. How difficult is that going to be? You know, I think it's going to be tricky for any guy to, I mean, improve that kind of stuff. Once you get to a certain level, now I can tell you just from talking to people around the Wolves, he's certainly motivated. He's a guy that's going to work hard at his skating and he's going to work hard to improve. Um, and it's not just that. I mean, you can obviously make up for some lack of skating with just anticipation, timing, play recognition, stuff like that. But that, of course, is stuff that all takes time to develop and takes experience to develop. And so that's kind of the biggest question uh, for him coming to this camp is just, is he ready at 20 years old? If he's not, that's totally fine. Sometimes sometimes defensemen just take a little longer because you're. it's more of a reactionary position where as a forward you're making things happen so we'll see i'm very intrigued to see him at this camp he's one of the players i'm most looking forward to seeing along with of course a guy like cody glass who as dave said it's kind of time for him to try to make his mark try to make a push for the nhl team now the knights are entering camp pretty set at center at least on their top three lines and i'm personally not that big of a fan of making him a fourth line center just to get him into the NHL, I would rather have him play, you know, top power play, top penalty kill, top line center for the Wolves if that were to happen. But we'll see. It'll be intriguing to see what happens. Well, the issue, and, and I know I think you agree with that, Dave, so I want to get your thoughts on it too. But isn't the issue with that that at some point their top six is kind of set? Uh, they've got a lot of guys that are just locked in. So at some point he's going to have to come up and play somewhere. I don't, I don't know that he's just going to plug in into one of those spots anytime soon with the guys that they've got locked into contracts. Well, I think they've got a almost perfect development path for him kind of laid out in terms of this year. And we've talked about it before, but like in all likelihood, Paul Stasny is going to miss some games this year. That's just kind of his track record. And if that happens, you probably move Cody Eakin up to second line center, and then you can have Cody Glass call him up and have him be your third line center, or maybe flip those two. You know, there'll be opportunities, even if Glass doesn't make the opening night roster, for him to make an impact on this team this season. And so you can kind of get his feet wet this year. Then obviously Cody Eakin's a free agent. You can potentially give him that third line center job next season. And then Paul Stasny's a free agent the year after. So in two years, maybe he all of a sudden slides into your second line center. So with the way their contracts looks up, line up, to me it's almost like a perfect path for Cody Glass where they can kind of ease him up a level each year if you know he proves that he's ready. So I'm over here nodding. Obviously, nobody can see that, but but video yeah. podcast, right, right, right. Because obviously, I agree with Ben. So I'm one of my big things is just I I'm always fascinated by development, um, and you know, kind of scouting and projecting and and all those sorts of things. And we always joke and we kind of laugh about you know that overcooked comment with with Cody Glass that George McPhee made. But I look at what's going on in Edmonton right now with Paul Yarvi, um, and it's. Such a similar situation 
obviously they're different players, but like that's a that was a kid. I think he was third or fourth overall, um, and he was basically rushed to the NHL. And now he's got a big issue with the Oilers after his contract ran out. He signs with a team back in Europe because you know he's not sure he wants to go back to Edmonton. He doesn't think it's good for his development. He might go to Europe for the, you know. It, it's just there's so many risks involved with these kids when you put them into spots they're not ready for. And so if that means that Cody Glass has to go to the AHL and like Ben said, play top six minutes, because the reality is he's not going to play the third line center for the Golden Knights, uh, maybe for one year in, in terms of his development. That's not the long-term plan. The long-term plan is like Ben laid out. He's going to take over for Stasny, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So if you don't have to rush him into that, you can let him develop and get used to that. I'm a much bigger fan of that route than, say, putting him on the fourth line and asking him to do things that maybe aren't his game, aren't suited to his game. That's not who he is. So let him learn, you know, what he needs to do to be a top six guy, play power, you know, power play minutes and and all that sort of stuff. And if it's in the AHL, you know, there's apps, there's nothing wrong with that. I think everybody just feels like, oh, he's a you know, number six guy and, you know, this guy is around him and he's doing this and this guy's doing that. And, you know, everybody's path is different. So if to me, if Cody Glass doesn't make the team necessarily, you know, I don't think that that's a knock on him or anything. Maybe it's, it's just, it says how strong the gold Knights are and that they don't have to rush a guy. They don't have to risk having a guy like, you know, pull your that basically at this point in his career, is it a crossroad? And they don't want to ever get to that point with Cody Glass. When we, when you look at this roster, then I know we've already kind of talked about it, but let's just break it down to the to the actual like bottom line of this rookie camp. Which guys that are participating in this do you expect to be on the roster when the season starts? Because there there's openings there. Obviously, Jimmy Schultz is a big one, but you mentioned it. We he, we expect him to be signed at some point soon. We're still waiting waiting on that. So guys that are participating in rookie camp that we expect to see on the opening day roster. The only thing that I would say for sure is that I would bet one of those four defensemen ha- would have a really good shot. Maybe Jake Bischoff kind of blows everyone away in main camp with just kind of how steady he is. Um, but I would you know, be pretty confident that one of those four defensemen we talked about, that being Hag, White Cloud, Schultz, and Coughlin, would be in that opening night lineup, which one of those four it would be cannot tell you yet, because I assume all those four defensemen are going to get a chance to play a lot during this rookie camp and during the uh, Irvine tournament. And I think all of them are going to get a chance to play in the main preseason too. And so that's kind of determined their fates. They're going to really have to battle it out. And I'd assume a lot of those four are going to get looks during this season. We'll just have to see how it shakes itself out initially. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I I think, at this point, just looking at the roster and kind of projecting things, I would, I guess, be surprised if Cody Glass made the team out of camp. I think it would take him, you know, really just, you know, nuke in the preseason and, and just being a guy in those games that, you know, you can't help but notice is just, you know, ready. And and if he forces his way on there, so be it. But I think, the you know, of the defensemen, I've always been the big Nick Haig fan and, and just what he brings. So, you know, if it's Schultz, you know, because of, you know, his his age experience where he's at right now, you know, or White Cloud or something like that, you know, maybe that that's a little more likely, I guess. But but I do think Haig, if he has a good enough camp, has the most upside out of the group. 
is there a guy in this camp that is not really on the radar for this year, but that you're you're excited to see just for exactly where they are in their development and you know for down the road for you know a season, two seasons, three seasons from now that like okay this guy might be in the mix that you're going to be watching this week. So the European guys, I would say of the rookies and in, in the two of them, uh, Jonas Ronberg and Lucas Elvinus, um, just because we don't see them as much, they're harder to follow. And I'd like to kind of see where they are, you know, it, kind of in comparison, I guess, to, to their peers. Ronberg looked really good in the development camp, always in on the forecheck, always disruptive. There, there seems to be a knock on his finishing and things like that, but I'd really like to see kind of where him and Elvinus are. And then, how much maybe are they going to be expected to contribute in Chicago? Because I think that's the, you know, the most likely destination for them. But, you know, are they top six guys? Are they a guy that, you know, in a year or two, you know, we could see pushing for a roster spot and or, you know, maybe just like a call-up spot? Those, those are the two guys, at least, you know, off the top of my head that really jump out that, you know, I kind of want to see where they are. Yeah, I would agree with Elvinus especially because you look at his numbers as a prospect and you're kind of like, oh, doesn't look like he's performing that well. And then you, you know, look at the context where he's been playing against men in overseas in Europe, I believe in the Swedish league um, for a couple of years. And so he's been basically playing above his weight class for the last couple of years as a really young guy. I believe he started in that league when he was 17 years old playing against, you know, older, mature players. And, you know, I'm interested to see what he kind of looks like in rookie camp when he's kind of punching at his own weight class that these are guys in the same age group, um, and so now he's kind of on a more level playing field and I'm interested to see how much he kind of flashes throughout camp because of that. You kind of mentioned it a couple of times, just glossing it over, but just on the bottom line, we do expect Schultz to be signed in the near future, right? Yeah, I would expect so. I mean, yeah. uh, maybe it goes into camp a day or two or something, but my expectation would be that he's, that he's signed. I don't think it's going to be, you know, what, uh, uh, I don't a uh, Shea Theodore situation. Even that wasn't really that long. Maybe it's their last RFA, so it's the last piece of business to, to for them to get done. Yeah. I think right now they're actually uh, all at the retreat at Bill Foley's palatial Montana estate, so when they uh, get down from the mountains, they can maybe work on that contract. I, I am a little surprised, though, that it's taken this long because it doesn't seem like it should be a really hard contract to do. So the fact that it's gotten to this point, to me, yeah, that, that's a little surprising. So we will uh, certainly, that's a storyline to monitor as uh, we inch closer to the guys being back out on the ice uh, next week as we record this, the Golden Edge podcast. We talked a lot about the rookies, and Rookie Camp will be coming up, as we said. Make sure you follow along with the coverage from down in Orange County. We'll just call it Orange County because everybody's saying Anaheim. It's actually Irvine. Orange County is the all-encompassing, I guess, name for that. The OC? I'm not. We're not. Wasn't that a terrible show? I don't. First I think of all, saw one episode. Never Easy saw with it. the terrible I mean, we that don't have see, to. Yeah, that's probably right up your alley. That's probably right up your alley. I mean, listen, right? we don't have to break it down that's too far. But special. It wasn't my favorite, but you know, you can. Had its moments, probably, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, we did want to close out with a, a piece that you, that was in the review journal uh, over the weekend that Dave worked on things that could make or break the Golden Knight season. Uh, talk a little bit about the actual uh, roster that uh, that's out there. And I think number one, and, uh, you know, We've we've talked about him at length, but Max Pacioretty will be a major factor for the success of this team. Yeah, because that line has to click the way that it did in the playoffs, and if they do that, then you can kind of do some things, and you know you're able to probably keep you know the Carlson Marcheseau Smith line together, and 
you know, you can kind of figure out what you're doing with the third line. But if Max Pacioretty struggles and you've got a $7 million anchor on your payroll, you know, then all of a sudden you've got a whole lot of questions that, that start to pop up. Yeah, he's one guy who's really intriguing to me uh, looking through Dave's list. I mean, we've already touched on stuff like, you know, the rookie defenseman that they'll probably have a young guy back there. Uh, we've touched on their kind of power play situation and their stuff they need to figure out. But I mean, Max Pacioretty, I mean, is a guy that I think we were, you know, high on when he first got traded here to the Golden Knights. I mean, the narrative was, OK, he's going to get the C stripped away, which caused him a lot of consternation when he was with the Montreal Canadiens for 10 years. He's going to be free to kind of just play here with the Golden Knights. And then he actually kind of followed up a down season in Montreal with almost the exact same season with the Golden Knights. I mean, they were almost identical in terms of the number of games he played, the number of points he put up. And it was yeah. a far cry from kind of where he was at his peak in Montreal, which was... I think he, it was like a handful more goals. Sorry to cut you off. But yeah. yeah, basically. and Not to cut you off, but, but yeah, I think the idea is that is there a pattern developing here where he's on the downside of his career because he's had two seasons now where you kind of, you know, question whether he's healthy. Uh, you know, he had a knee thing in Montreal. He had, I don't think he ever admitted it, but early concussion, you know, when he got popped by Braden Coburn in the Tampa game and then, you know, other little niggling kind of injuries throughout the year. If he can't stay healthy and then the Knights are all of a sudden trying to juggle, you know, maybe Alex Tuck and, and all these other things. I mean, the one thing that's been pretty clear and, you know, obviously a lot of other people have talked about is the lack of depth. And if you've got Max Pacioretty struggling and you're trying to fit like Brandon Peary or something up there, you know, that's a whole that's a that's a whole lot of problems for Jar Gallant. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm just intrigued to see how he kind of, I guess, fits in, for lack of a better word, at the beginning of training camp here, because last year at this time, obviously he was, you know, in a, I guess, dispute, for lack of a better word, with Montreal. He was on his way out. He knew it. Got traded during rookie camp, had to move his entire family here. He had three kids at the time. Now he has four. Uh, whereas, you know, you fast forward for today, I mean, kids are in school. He's already here in Las Vegas. Uh, he was at City National Arena yesterday. So is he going to be more established at the outset of camp and thus be more comfortable heading into year two with his second NHL franchise? I, th I think if, if I were in, in his skates, the fact that they played well in the playoffs, that line, and then you have something to kind of build off coming into this training camp, you know, I would feel like, okay, I'm in a better spot right now, but we'll see, you know, that that's a, it's a big question. He's, he's obviously a guy that's making a lot of money that they're expecting a lot of production from that, you know, at least last year, you know, they, you, you could argue they didn't really get. We can get into more of the things that could make or break the season next time on the podcast. We and just check again. out Dave's story of viewjournal.com. Well, great listen, read. I was just about to get there, but thank you for, for doing that. Yes, check that out. And uh, Max Pacioretty may be a part of one of the other things that could make or break the season. A little hint, a little tease to the story. So make sure you go check that out. And make sure you check out the podcast each and every time it drops. Like, subscribe, comment, share. Say bad things about Ben. He already invited you to do so. I can take it. Say nice things about me and Dave. We can't. Uh, Golden Edge podcast presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. We thank them. We thank you guys for listening. It's almost hockey time. Get hype, you guys. We'll be back very soon to talk about more Golden Eye Hockey for Ben Goats, Dave Shane. I'm Adam Hill. We'll talk to you guys again soon.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.